Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the Fortress of the Mind podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to be talking about On Duties. My book, On Duties, which was released on July 1st. And in particular, we're going to be talking about the major theme that runs through the book. The major theme that runs through the book, the unifying thread, which I believe to be the concept of greatness of spirit or greatness of soul, magnitudo animi, which is translated as greatness of soul. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about what that means, what Cicero says it means, and its implications. So let's begin with that concept. The idea of greatness of soul, it can be found in the uh, it can be essentially defined in Book 1. Book 1, Chapter 20, Section 66. Book 1, Chapter 20. What is greatness of soul? Well, let me go ahead and read this. And I think I've read this before. But it's important to read it again so that everybody knows what we're talking about here. He says, A strong and great soul is altogether distinguished by two features. One is the contempt for the external things of this world. The great soul is persuaded that no man ought to wonder at, hope for, or seek after anything except those things related to goodness and virtue, and that he should succumb to neither another man's nor disturbance of the spirit, nor trial of fortune. The second feature is that when you have molded your soul with this sort of attitude, as I said above, you perform great achievements of the highest utility which are extremely arduous, laborious, and full of danger to life and to many other things related to one's livelihood. Of these two features of a great soul, all splendor and greatness, and I may also add utility, come from the latter quality, but the origin and reason for making men great derives from the former. In the former feature is that quality which makes souls great and contemptuous of baser things. This same thing is separated into into two aspects. First, that you judge moral goodness to be the only good. Second, that you are free from all distress of the soul. We must remember that with regard to those things seen by the majority as attractive and wonderful. There are a select few great souls who will look down on these same things as unworthy, and disdain them as firm and stable life principles. A robust soul and great constancy are also needed to bear the bitter experiences of life which fortune often and in unexpected ways visits on us, so that you are in no way deflected from your natural course or from the dignity of human wisdom. What a great passage that is. What a soaring passage that is. And again, that's in Book 1, Chapter 20, which anyone who has the Kindle version or the paperback version can quickly locate and read for themselves. So that's the definition of greatness of soul. Now, someone might say, well, what does that have to do with my day-to-day life? What does that have to do with my day-to-day existence? And this is what I would say to that. We've all had the experience of running across a person, a person or persons where we can just immediately just feel something. We can immediately feel 
that god man this this person is a this person is a douchebag i can just i can just feel the dickishness radiating from this person or when they write something uh say a post or they write an article or a comment you can just feel the dickishness just sort of emanating off the screen you can just feel the negativity that's an example of someone who has no greatness of soul someone who's petty someone who is mean someone that is base some that someone that is venal filled with hate jealousy these are negative emotions and these types of emotions are poisons to the soul they're poisons to the soul and they drag it down and what's amazing is that it's obvious the person who is afflicted with this sort of venality doesn't really understand how he or she comes across to the outside world but those of us who have to experience it can feel it you can just sense it and i think anyone who's attuned to his or her environment can sense this sort of thing and if it's true that there is such a intrinsic negativity that displays itself to the world it must also be true that there is a corresponding positivity that displays itself to the world have you ever met certain people where you can just feel the goodness come out of them you can just feel the positivity you can just feel the charisma the force of character the the goodness the joie de vivre the the joy of life the the, the greatness of soul that that is what greatness of soul is it's that that inexplicable intangible but yet nevertheless present feeling that a person has embraced moral goodness and they look down on the base they look they have contempt for the things that cicero described in that passage i just quoted for those baser things of this world you know and if we learn to recognize that when we see it then we can better shape and mold our own conduct to correspond to what is good and avoid what is bad because we all need role models we all want to mold our conduct and we all want to shape our conduct based on certain exemplars that we see around us and if we pick good people to emulate then we'll be off on the right track but if we pick bad people to emulate then we're headed off down the wrong track now related to this is something else and this is just something that's i think uh, bound up with the idea of greatness of soul it's the idea that we should try to become a man we should try to become men of substance men of substance and that's very different from a man of flimflam a man of nothingness and in our modern culture it's very tempting for people to adopt the ethic of flimflam there are a lot of these people out there they're on the internet they inhabit uh all walks of life and they seem to really have a finely uh, attuned sense of knowing how to bullshit and how to make themselves appear something that they are not and those are people who are not men of substance and you can tell the difference when you look at the person's track record if someone has never done anything substantial and yet they present themselves as being experts on everything then you can tell right away that this is not someone who is a man of substance so that's the other thing the corollary to that greatness of soul we should try to emphasize we should try to emulate people 
and mold our behavior on men who are men of substance. Be a real person. You know, you're far better off having a very few set of accomplishments that are true and genuine and honest than you are in uh, being a half-baked person in many different areas. There's no reason why anyone should feel ashamed or or uh, second rate or second grade if they feel that their achievements are not somehow up to snuff compared to what they see they in some movie or book or something somewhere be proud of what you do even if it's a modest accomplishment if it's something that you did and if it's something that was acquired with a genuine spirit and if it was something that was that was acquired with honesty and if it's something that you did yourself, then it will mean something to you. So don't try to emulate bullshit artists. Don't try to emulate celebrities. Don't try to emulate other people who are not men of substance. Do your own thing. Have confidence in yourself. Don't try to emulate other people. Because that's how you get off down the path of just becoming a flimflam artist. You become a, a faker. You become a phony. And for some reason, our modern culture is breeding this type of person more and more because I think people now just don't have the bullshit detectors that they used to, or it's harder to spot them, or, or because people can conceal their lack of achievements behind bombast and braggadocia and things like that. And it becomes almost a substitute for actual achievement. So you have to be able to discern the flim-flam from the reality. And it's very easy why the flim-flam is, is seductive because it, 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 it's entertaining, it can be humorous, but at the end of the day, it will betray you. At the end of the day, it's like building a house on pilings made of straw or on uh, chopsticks. It's going to blow over at the first sign of hardship, and such people are, are just not going to weather the storms that life inevitably forces on us. So those, those two things, greatness of soul and being a man of substance, those are the things that we should try to keep in mind. And there's one last comment I want to make about greatness of soul. And this is an implication that comes from the idea of magnitudo animi. And this is a quote from also from On Duties, and I think it's his book two. Let me just, just verify that and check on that, just so I'm not giving you the wrong. I'm looking at the paperback version here, page 105. It's look, it looks like uh, book two, uh, chapter 40. Um, I'm sorry, chapter... Uh, yeah, this is, um, this is page 104. Of the um, of the paperback version, and um, so it looks like uh, looks like we're here at chapter uh, thirty nine. This is section one fifty eight. Actually, I'm sorry, uh, section one fifty seven. And Cicero here says uh, similarly. 
Greatness of soul which is improperly connected with human society and kinship may become a kind of barbarity and savagery. Thus it must be that man's social bonds and the interests of human society are to be placed before the pursuit of knowledge. It is not true, as some say, that these social bonds exist for the sake of life's necessities. Without the aid of others, we might not be able to take care of the things required by nature and enter into the community and society of our fellow man. But if all of us were supplied with food and shelter by some sort of magic wand, as they call it, then the best man among us could neglect his proper business and occupy himself entirely in study and thought. This would not happen, of course. Such a man would flee from solitude and seek a companion for his studies. He would want to learn and to teach, to listen and to speak. Therefore, every duty which tends to promote the social bonds among men and protect their integrity must be placed before a duty which concerns itself with, with mental investigation and abstract knowledge. Now, this is very profound. And there's a footnote, footnote number 88, uh, in which I elaborate on this a little bit. And what I say that um, Cicero is calling our attention to the fact that greatness of soul is useless unless it is connected to our social fabric. In other words, both cold calculation and courage are nothing unless they have a social conscience. So what that... What Cicero is basically telling us here is greatness of soul is fine and we should seek to have it. We should seek to have all those great noble virtues. But it also has to be placed in the service of society. It has to be exercised for a positive good. Otherwise, it's just disconnected immorality. And that's why he's against just rampant egotism. That's why he would have been against knowledge for its own sake. It's a very important point here. Cicero is, is pointing out that he's basically telling us, hey, look, I'm not a, I'm not an, a, a fan of just uh, mindless acquisition of knowledge for its own sake. It has to serve some sort of social purpose. We can't just bury our heads in our books and ignore the world. We can't just plunge ourselves into scientific research and be... Uh, unconcerned with the possible consequences of that research. And this type of passage, I think, is very applicable today because we're living in an era now where science is pushing the boundaries of human knowledge. And there seems to be very, very little regard for what the implications for mankind that this knowledge is going to have. It seems like a lot of these scientists now have absolutely no regard for the ethical and moral dimensions or implications of their work. And I think that's something that's very dis very disturbing and very troubling. And I think those scientists, as well as all the rest of us, would be well served by rereading or reading that passage in On Duties, in Cicero's On Duties. So those are the points I wanted to make about greatness of soul. And I hope you will continue to explore that concept in On Duties. And if anyone has any questions about it, they can certainly email me, and I'll be happy to answer any further questions or follow-ups about that. So, all right. Everyone have a good weekend. This will bring our podcast here at Fortress of the Mind to a conclusion. I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night. <laughs>